Labrador Color TV, RCA Victor Color TV. I know what I've been missing now. Wow! I thought Color TV. Gosh! The color is true. Her hair so red, her eyes so blue. It's just as though she's there with you. Gosh! The color is true. And now is the time for you to get an RCA Victor color set. Easy to tune as it can be. And great for black and white TV. Wow! I bought color TV. Dependable natural color TV. So when you're working on a project, a content project, a presentation, a product, anything where you've got to use some of your creative skills to create something, you ever get that feeling when you're done that, man, I just hit that out of the park. You sweat it out. You put your heart and soul into that piece of content. At times, you were in the zone and you just poured over every single nuance. You sweated the details. You just know that this thing is special. Or how about the opposite? You're forced to give a presentation when you're sick, or you're scrambling under a deadline and you jam something out, or this thing that you created, it literally came out of your head and onto the screen in under 10 minutes. And then maybe an interesting thing happens. That sweat-filled thing, the thing you felt so in the zone creating and you dropped the mic after creating it, it goes out onto the world and crickets. Nothing. You're like, what? How can the world not recognize this genius? Or in the second example, that thing that just emerged from you serendipitously because you were under deadline, for some reason, it just resonates beyond belief. It goes viral. It's the thing that people start calling you out for. What? It's not supposed to be that easy. It happens to us all. There's a wonderful story, by the way, of Paul McCartney, who literally woke up one morning with the tune for yesterday in his head. And he spent the next year, by the way, looking around, convinced that he'd heard it somewhere and that he was plagiarizing. He also spent a year coming up with just the right title and lyric. Some parts come easy, and some parts don't. So there's this huge myth in the world that anything that comes easy isn't as good, or that interesting ideas or successes or wins only come after great pain or struggle. The whole myth of the struggling artist living pain for his or her art is just this kind of myth. The key is in understanding that whether it comes easy, or whether it comes from backbreaking struggle, if it's an original creation, you really have no idea how people are going to react to it. When you create creative content, some of it's sweat and some of it's serendipity. you got to embrace both. Because your audience, they don't care how much you worked on something. If it's good, it's good. And that's the theme of our show today. Sweat and serendipity and our ability to hug all of it. And with that, it's time for me to finish this intro. And how much time did I spend writing this? Well, if you liked it, I spent about 10 minutes on it. If you didn't, it took me days to complete this. So feel for me. You ready to dash off some brilliance and have it all come easy? Well, then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 150 of PNR's This Old Marketing. That's right, 150, or for those of you counting at home, the 2.8 year anniversary of Content Flavored Nonsense, recorded Saturday, September 24th, 2016. And together with me, as always, as we have every single one of those 2.8 years, is my friend, my co host, my colleague, and the man in content marketing where it all comes easy, Mr. Joe Pulitzer. How are you, my friend? Happy, happy 150. Same to you. Congratulations. It does not come easy uh, this morning because uh, this <laughs> no. is really early for us. I think this yes, might be is. the earliest uh, for extenuating circumstances. You and I had to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and do this, and which is not That's normally right. horrible. It's just that you and I have our morning voice. 
Yeah, that's right. It's, it's definitely, yeah. And I had a martini or two last night, so I definitely have that but that's, uh, Saturday morning voice. That's normal, Robert. I mean, it's not something. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but it's not normal that I'm speaking into a microphone <laughs> at, this, at this hour. Well, I mean, you and I are both going to be overseas next week, so it's just that's right. we had to figure out something. You're in New York right now, correct? That's right. I'm in uh, gloomy and rainy, and well, not rainy, but just gloomy and kind of foggy New York. And so, uh, yeah, so I'll be I'll be in the hotel for most of the day, and then on a plane to the lovely Slovenia uh, oh, that's later right. this evening. The, you're you're doing Pomp Forum. Uh, I am. I've had the, the pleasure Forum. of speaking there twice. Great, great people yeah. over there. So. They must have got sick of me, and they said, well, can we get somebody else for this? Please, <laughs> for the love blood. of God, let's <laughs> get some new blood in here. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, should we, um, you know, you and I were talking about this show, and we should make it something special and do something awesome. I don't know if we could do that, but maybe we should just kind of go go back a little bit and talk about how we uh, how we got here. Um, I think that's a good idea. I, I, you know, as we were talking about that, it's like, I, I think... Some behind-the-scenes stuff, some stuff that we've learned over 149 episodes without missing a week. I, I continually Never. sort of – that's the thing that I'm maybe proudest of is the fact that consistency, which, is, of course, is something we preach, and we haven't missed a week. Um, you know, there's been – there were a couple of times early on where we missed it by a day or something like that, and boy, did we hear it from the audience yep. when we missed it by a day. And yeah, so from you know from then on, it was it's it's been every single week, whether it's seven a.m. in the morning or, you know, there was one I remember one show in particular where I was in Europe and we did it at I think it was eleven o'clock at night for me or something like that, mm-hmm. and and it's been it's 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 been a hell. Well, of and then there were all those shows that you and I weeks. were drinking, which was those, well, that was a, that wait a minute that was last <laughs> week. That's are you kidding me? Come on now. <laughs> Maybe we can count the ones where we weren't drinking. Maybe that would yeah, be, well, be easier. Somebody to do. said somebody came up to me at a conference and said, "Hey, you know, if you you know if you play your podcast at uh, at half speed, you guys sound drunk." And I'm like, "What do you mean sound? <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what do you what do you mean well, sound? Did, did you tell that person? No, you're actually playing it at normal speed. That That's was, right, exactly." <laughs> That's exactly right. I remember right. the one time when we were in Singapore, and it was a beautiful day, and we've never, you know, we'd never been to Singapore. Let's, you know, let's go out and walk, whatever. It's like, oh, we got to do the podcast. So I think that right. I was like the floor above you or something like yeah, that. Exactly. It's like, okay, let's just crank this out on Skype and get out and go do our thing. But there's been a lot That's, of yeah. Games. It's so many. It's so funny because people think we're you know because of the way the sounds is they think we're always in the same room. And actually, we it's hard for us to actually be in the same room with each other because well, we've done one, we make each other laugh. Yeah, the, we did the couple for Content Marketing World, and we did the one where we were at the same location. We're like, well, let's just – and that was, I think, one of our worst episodes. It's just – yes. It's a different set. We both have the way that our, our setups, the computers. I've got my notebook in front of me, all kinds of That's stuff, right. the way that I do it. and. I just I I can't look I can't I get nervous just looking at you. It's, it's oh well that's that seems to be a, <laughs> that seems to be a common thing. I <laughs> well, why don't you share with maybe one? You know, I've got four little things that I wanted to share. I mean, we don't have to go into too much detail because we're still sure. going to cover the news and stuff like that. But yeah, you want to like throw out your first one, maybe about yeah. I'm um, so the you know yeah. What what have we learned what over 149 we weeks? Don't get yeah, up at, at seven in the morning and do a podcast. <laughs> don't get up at seven in the morning without coffee or with hotel coffee. That's the that's the first thing. Oh folks. god. Um, you know, I think you know I, I, one of the things that I get. Um, very lovely compliments on and and it it warms my heart guys so just know this this makes me feel great when i when i get nice feedback on this are the openings the the introductions and of course we made a a, a big shift um i mean big shift a, a shift let's call it that um at about episode 123 so roughly you know 20 plus episodes ago um we made a a, a pretty sizable shift where I stopped doing the sort of pop culture uh, stuff, and we went with sort of a cold open, and I started doing the, you know, just sort of the general, more sort of from-the-heart kind of openings. And interestingly enough, somebody asked me one time, and this is the thing that I've learned about this, is that 
it's they said you know really love the new opening really love the sort of thought provoking thing and the theme of the show and all that kind of stuff and and they said that must be really hard and i said the interesting thing is it's actually easier um for me to do that um and the the pop culture stuff the sort of stuff that we used to do a long time ago was really it was really really stressful actually trying to figure that out every week and look at something in pop culture that wasn't too controversial wasn't bad news or politics or something like that and try and make it sort of fun and interesting and and punny as it were for the opening of the show and actually when we switched it over it was because that week I just literally couldn't find anything that was funny about the news and so I said, wow. you know, let's yeah. and 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 so actually, you know, the last and the new opening seems to be more popular than the older opening, and so it, it's actually easier to, to, not to draw the irony with the theme of the show this week, but the, it's actually an easier open for me with the you know sort of thinking about from what I want to say from the heart every week, rather than sort of trying to find it some pop culture reference. So that's something I've learned. Well, I mean, that's I think it's <clears throat> been a great improvement. I think it's been fantastic. It's just uh, the music helps, and I think you know putting a little more production into it helps, and and I think yeah, it's it's been it's it it it's made that part of the part of the the show for me even more enjoyable you know because now i i truly enjoy coming up with an opening every week and we have like three less minutes of airtime that you and i are together which is really important by the way <laughs> well it doesn't help the length of the show because now we routinely go over well, an hour we still, i mean we're still shooting an for an hour right so that yeah, means, exactly so you know i think people would get this so your your normal openings are about three minutes long that's in right. general that's right and then so we're we're gonna shoot for like right now we're gonna shoot for something around 57 minutes because we like to that's stay right. right around and we're pretty good i mean we're yeah we're pretty good 99 percent of the time we're within like 55 <laughs> a minute and a, or two and a minute yeah. or five i mean yeah. that's kind of yeah. where we we rarely ever go over but when we do go over we hear about it it's like God, are you kidding me? 112, you know, yeah. an hour and 12 minutes, please, for the love of God, don't. It's like they can only, you can Stop. only take 60 minutes of Joe and Robert. Anything more is just like a heart attack. Um, well, but <clears throat> I don't know. Just, let, let, I think it's interesting to see how y- it's been a, it's been a pleasure to work with you because we have defined our roles. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think that you probably have more of a burden. Uh, because of the, especially because of the open and getting the materials together. But basically, just so everybody knows how it works, throughout the week, if I see something interesting, I'll either shoot it to you on Facebook or shoot it to you on your Evernote. Right. Uh, if I see a, a some kind of a news article that we we could cover, and then you're responsible p- for putting together the show flow. So you do the That's intro right. and you do the show flow, and then you send that to me. And then, you know, we kind of go back and forth to see it, basically how it works is if you don't have a this old marketing example, then you ask me to get one. But that's, that's kind of how, <laughs> how that. How, that's the one part that we don't have buttoned down at all. No, no, no. There's no. And yeah, it's, you know, when, once we got through kind of the first year where we had a good solid 52 some, some examples of this old marketing. Now it's, it's kind of, we're, you know, we got to look for it. That's right. Got to do a little bit of work with it. But then what happens is is that you you email me the link to your opening, and That's then right. um, you also send me your half. So a lot of people don't know this. So we have two separate recordings. So I record me on, on my computer, and you record you on your computer, and we're talking right. through Skype right now. Which, by the way. Sometimes when Skype doesn't work, which happens every once in a while, I think we've done, probably done four or five shows that we're just talking via our cell phones. Yep, on cell phones. Yep. And so then you send me your recording. So we time it. Like you counted down this morning, five, four, three, two, one. We start at the same time. Uh, most of the time it matches up perfectly. I put it into, I use a tool called Audacity. It's a free tool uh, that I use on the PC. And I meld these two together. I get them working. I add the intro, the normal intro and the normal outro. And then I get that, and I produce that whole episode. And then once that whole episode is produced, and I run it through level later to check the levels, then I add your intro because you already have your levels set for your intro. And that's remember we that was the first one. You're like, Joe, my intro music is all messed up. You ran it through level later. Don't do that. Right. 
So that's something. I don't think I said it quite in that with that tone, but (laughs) I don't think it was. I think it was. Hey, Joe. Run my intro through Levelator because actually it's trying to level the my voice in the music. I please thank you. I don't, we'll just remember it how we remember it. How about, okay, all <laughs> no, right, it fine. Was, you were fine. You're always very nice. Uh, and so then that's and then that's how we have a podcast. And I, then I take it the rest. So I'll take it all the way home. Uh, I'll put it. We use uh, uh, Libsyn, a Liberated Syndicate to uh, produce and host all the rest of it. So I'll put in all the tagging, send that out. And as soon as I hit publish, that publishes out through Stitcher and through iTunes. And it, it happens immediately. It happens in seconds. And like for so for today, when because I'll, I'll produce the show today, but I'll set it to launch very consistently, as you were talking about, Monday night. Yeah. And about yeah. anywhere between Monday 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern time. And usually I set it for 6 p.m. Eastern time. And if it's later than that, 9, that means we're still recording. That means you and I are probably <laughs> exactly. talking at 6 and 7. That's and I right. just haven't had to to get to the production part. But I just thought people yeah. would be interested in sort of how we do that. And uh, it's a- Yeah, so basically I do all the pre-production and you do all the post-production. And it's, it's worked out fantastically. Um, Cause it just, uh, it's a, it's a nice way to, to divvy things up. And, um, and I think the most, I think the, the, the biggest piece of that, I think that might surprise most people is the fact that we, we record separately and we do that for sound quality because that way we get a, we get a really great sound quality for each of us. And we're not dependent upon Skype to capture both audio files. And, and you are so right about that. I mean, you and I, we do interviews all the time, and we'll do somebody will record via uh, via Skype or via Pamela, which is a tool within Skype, or a, a number of other ones that they end up. But they record together, so all the voices are recorded together for the most part. It never sounds as good, ever, no, ever as, as what doesn't. we do. Like you guys, like we're sitting in a studio together. It's it's pretty darn good sound. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, and by that, the way, you, you, we need yeah. to mention, I use an Audio-Technica audio uh, microphone. That's the one thing, because it really only it only costs about 20 bucks a month to do this. Like, if you're just looking at the cost outside of our time, everything's right. time. The one thing that you have to spend your money on is a great uh, microphone. Yeah. So don't That's chance exactly on the right. microphone. This one, I spent, I think, about 180 bucks for this microphone that i'm talking into right now yeah Um, i spent i spent uh a a little more than that but i but i you know this comes from my music days and so i have a sure sm58 that i use and because it travels so well um basically i have a whole setup at home where i plug it right into my soundboard and that goes into the computer and then when i'm traveling like i am today i have a little connector that connects it in and makes it a usb mic um, and and plugs right in and I, I mean literally the microphone right now is sitting on a couple of pillows on the desk so that I have because I, I don't want to carry a mic stand with me yep. and so uh, th- it does that and then I record into uh, GarageBand I'm a, I'm a Mac guy so I, I record into GarageBand and, and and do it that way and I've set up a little template um, with the right sort of EQ and and stuff like that that makes me happy well you're you're much better at that stuff and we should. Like when you're recording from your office, home office, and I'm recording from my home office, I'm recording out of a closet, and you are recording in a music studio. <laughs> well, I'm recording in my office, which I have converted into <laughs> a, a little bit of, you know, I have some sound foam on the wall, and I've, I've got a boom mic so that I can type and stuff on the desk, and you can't hear, you know, you can't hear the typing and um, and and all of that. So it's, yeah, it's it's... But that's you know I'm a geek that way. That's I, that's fun for me to try and figure that stuff out. Well, you know, a couple just the, you know, throwing out. I don't want to take the whole. We could we could actually talk for five shows about this stuff. But <laughs> exactly. we don't want to. You know, you might be not be. Some people are interested in this because you, people that we know in our audience are working on podcasts. The one thing that's that right. I would say, and I think that you would agree to this because we've been talking about it for a lot. I think what's helped us with the fact that we already had an audience with Content Marketing Institute, we already had an email subscription database, and then we diversified with a podcast. I know a lot, and and so it took off right away. Like we had listener listenership immediately because you and I already had followings. We already had an email database. We are we we integrated it immediately into the stream of CMI content. That really helped. I know a lot of podcasters that. 
uh, are depressed because they right. start and they get no listenership uh, for a long, long time. And you've really, really got to work it. So the one advantage that I would say, if you are going to start a podcast, it's actually easier to not do a podcast as your first thing. It would be like, oh, now I'm going to do a video series or now I'm going to do a magazine or now I'm going to do a podcast. That's how you diversify from the main content brand or platform, and ours was the blog and email newsletter, and we diversified off of that. And I can't recommend that <laughs> highly enough. I, I don't know what it would have done for us. I, we wouldn't yeah, have got a sponsor a, right away, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, it's sort of, you know, you, what we did was, you know, I mean, as we've, and, and, and we'll probably preach on this episode, you know, if there's a sort of recurring theme for the, for the shows that we do, it's this whole idea of addressable audiences and being able to not, you know, build your house on rented land and stuff like that. And, and, you know, so it's like, oh, well, you have a podcast and a podcast is building a house on rented land. It's like, yes, but it's our little guest house, right? You know, this is, you know, we, this, we went and built the audience first that we can address and then use that to expand out into other areas, including, yep. including a podcast. And so that's the, that's the real trick there is, is building your audience, core audience, so that you have that, that working for you. And then take it out to all these other places because that's, you know, as to your point, it's made it – it's not impossible to do it the other way. I know people who have, certainly, but um, but but uh, but to, it makes it a lot easier. Well, you, gotta, sure. you have to really work it. Like John Lee uh, Dumas, who's been that's great right. at Entrepreneur on Fire, he, he, he really – his core was the podcast. He started – it's very hard for you and I to find examples of – podcast only starters it doesn't happen yes. well and we've talked about like general electrics uh you know when they launched their podcast with i forgot the name of the company they launched it with but uh, you know they usually launch with media companies that have distribution that so yes. that's the difference yeah, right like, you have to start somewhere you're starting at zero um, so <laughs> exactly. it's better not to start at zero or to have other pieces, parts, and other subscription opportunities so that you can ramp up your podcast subscribers right away. Is there yeah. any other any other takeaways on your side that you think are like this is like a big learning of yours with the podcast? You know, I, the only thing I would, the only other thing I think I might mention is is you know, I mean, sir, I mean, I've I've learned so much over 149 weeks about what it takes to to do a, a podcast. Every single week, the, I, the one observation I'll have about the news, because you know, just going back and riffing a bit on the idea of the uh, you know that I put together the show flow and the news and all that kind of stuff, which means, by the way, that both of us, it's one of nice thing is that we have to stay on top of the news. It's 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 sort of a forced we're forced you know, to do our homework, That's education, right. and do our yeah. homework, which is a nice thing. But you know, after going through thirty or forty different news items every single week. To try and come up with you know four, three, you know five uh, show flow sorts of news things that we want to talk about. I'm just going to tell you the news repeats itself a lot. <laughs> there's there's finding things that are new and interesting and innovative is a tough thing. And we, you know, of course, we know this because this is our big problem with content marketing more broadly. But finding new things about you know finding something that doesn't say hey. Content marketing, building the business case. Here are the five things you need to know about building the business. If I see another post that talks about the five best tips for yeah. creating the business case of content marketing, I, I might throw up in my mouth a little bit. It's just, it's just, <laughs> Let's not do that. It's like, please don't write that post. It's done. It's been written. You just Google it. It's out there. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's the news repeats itself a lot. Well, that's, I mean, we talk about having, I mean, you know, like we call it the content tilt, the different perspective, a differentiated story. I mean, that's where we actually see firsthand how few people actually do that. They actually right. – there's so many. I mean, how many the, – the, the content marketing is posts or how many tips for content marketing posts. It's, it's right. crazy every week. It's running rampant. And most of these posts don't get any love at all. Uh, nobody cares because it's been done. Did there's you know that much. content marketing is good for SEO? Really? I've, it's a, we it's should cover that a on a thing. show at some point. <laughs> would be would be nice. Well, speaking of which, should we actually transition and do it, some of the news? Uh, this yes, week I want to do that. I just wanted to yeah. say one thing. Oh, I, sure. My biggest surprise. Oh yeah, okay. My what biggest is that? surprise with you know, 150 weeks now of doing podcasting is 
when I would go out and do a speaking event, and you know, you and I are out speaking all the time. I think this year I'll have forty or fifty speeches that I'll go out and do. Yeah, same here. So I'll go out and do a speech, and and somebody, and it's 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 wonderful to go out. I love presenting, and then being able to talk to people. And somebody will come up to me and they'll say, "So for the last decade, it's been Joe. I absolutely love your book." Joe, I absolutely love uh, Content Marketing World. I love Chief Content Officer Magazine. It was always, and it was always split. It was always something. Sure. And, and I'd love to hear that and I get the feedback and they tell me what they like about that particular thing. That has been replaced yeah. in 99%. Yes. Of, this is the, I floored me because everybody comes up and says, Oh my God, Joe, I listened to the podcast. You and Robert are so funny. Or but, but I don't know what they're, you know, whatever I, I their no opinion what is. Listening to. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but it is amazing. That how much you can connect with a podcast, it is the most intimate form of communication. I think that's true. That we've ever I think had. That's absolutely. And true. they know, and that's the amazing thing. I was just talking to somebody this week. They're talking to me like we're best friends because they know everything about me, and uh, which can be good or bad. But in this case, I think it's good. And they're like, "Oh, we've been following you. You've been doing this and have fun on the trip." And I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You you know exactly what I'm doing because yeah, I'm you know you. exactly where I'm going. I have people come up to me all the time and say." Oh, sorry about your cowboys or whatever, but yeah, it's 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 a they know us and and I it's it's a wonderful thing I have to say it's a really so that really was my biggest thing. surprise yep. I didn't expect that to happen and and just a little side note I think that since and I was looking at this yesterday and you because since you just came out with your audiobook for experiences this is a really good uh, little benchmark here is that when we started the podcast, the sales of, of my personal audiobooks have gone up. So that's something. To keep um, in and mind. I will say mine has as well. It, I, I, mine has as well. I've been very blessed for a lot of sales over the last, uh, over the last few weeks as the audiobook has gone live. And, and I'm, extraordinarily grateful for that so that's just a little, yeah. little side benefit yeah <laughs> thanks audible <laughs> all right let's yes we, yeah let's so talk let's, about the news for a second here, here. Yeah. yeah let's do because there's some really fun things um that really sort of i mean it's nice that they waited for episode 150 to actually so the breaking news the actual sort of i mean ha- as we're speaking breaking news yep is that Salesforce apparently is considering the purchase of dun 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 Twitter. And so as this show goes live on Monday night, this may all be, you know, sort of uh, old news, but certainly as we speak on Saturday morning here, uh, it broke last night that uh, Salesforce was actually going to consider the purchase of Twitter. And we'll put a, you know a few links in the show notes, of course. But uh, but you know you can just simply Google it and find everybody's sort of a buzz about this. Yep. So what did you uh, what did you what, well, what do you think? I mean, is this you think this is going to happen? I don't think this is going to happen. By well, the way, but I, I, I have a little take is, on this. Yeah. But why don't you think it's going to happen? I, because I think this is I think this is Salesforce inserting themselves into the process. Um, basically to get the publicity that they're getting. I do not believe that Salesforce is going to ultimately buy Twitter because I don't believe that the match is that great. I know you've got a take that that sort of shows that, um, but uh, I don't believe that this – I think it's either going to be Google or Verizon. I, and, I've, well, I've, I've made the prediction every, what, every year you've for the last Google. Yeah. three I mean, years, Google Google's going your... to buy Twitter. So I believe it's still going to be Google or Verizon. Um, and um, and Verizon being the sort of new player on the block here, um, but I don't believe it's going to be. I don't believe it's going to be Salesforce. I just don't think they're that serious of a buyer. Well, I think that yeah, I do have a quick take I want to share from from Jay Bear um, on his on his Facebook page. But I, but the one thing that I would say is that if Google lets this get a, get away, they're crazy. Yeah, they're exactly. at, well, that's the, exactly the amount right. of and they're data. Not let it get away. The amount yeah, of data that they, they can away. get from this is and this is chump change for them let's just be honest salesforce yeah, exactly it's going to be a little it's going to hurt a little bit to come up with the billions of dollars to buy twitter google it's it's not even couch cushion money for them i mean let's That's just right. be they can yeah. they can outbid salesforce on anything they should just That's go right. in now and just say go to jack dorsey and say jack come on this is crazy Look, salesforce got nothing on us how about you want Let's just that's, do it. Let's, that's why I think this is a rumor right now. That's why I, that's the that's the reason I think this is a rumor right now. I think this is this is high stakes gamesmanship that is that is driving trying to drive up the price. 
maybe Google's doing it on purpose and went to Benioff and said, hey, would you come in this with us so people don't think that we're buying up everything and there's no like FTC thing. So maybe there's a little conspiracy theory going on here. Eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is what Jay shared on Facebook because, you know, Jay, uh, I was on Jay's uh, Social Pros podcast uh, the other day and that's co-hosted by Adam Brown, who's from Salesforce. So, of course, they have a very particular take on it. And Jay says, on the surface, this may seem like an odd fit, Salesforce and Twitter. Uh but Salesforce wants to own end-to-end marketing, communication, sales, and service. So if, if you think about Salesforce, if that's actually Salesforce's goal, and of course Jay's done a ton of work on the customer service side, so he knows sure. that really well. And so Jay says, what a coup for their service cloud division and a huge boost for the integration between social marketing and social care. So there is a play here. For Salesforce, um, I mean, you could you could rationalize it however you want to, but but personally, my take is probably the same as yours. Uh, this is Google's to, to have, and I think that's the way it's going to be. I, I think it is too, and I you know, and so I see, I, I you know, it's like I I hear that take, and I, I I appreciate that take, and I can see that. I just think that it's the that's not the value of Twitter, right? That the value of Twitter is truly the. Because what everybody's talking about, like CNBC and sort of the mainstream press, what they're talking about, the value of Twitter, and I would agree with this, is it's real-time access to the news, right? Real-time access to basically everything that's going on in the world. And that data, that stream of data, the sort of, you know, weather prediction of the news is, is truly a extraordinary valuable thing if your business model is based on people finding out what's going on in the world searching for things and if google loses this this is such a uh, this would be the well, the, the giantest stupidest it would thing be crazy in the world. Well, it would be yeah so here, i can't see them missing that here, and here's that. here's the thing if they bought twitter all that pressure for twitter to monetize itself comes off because they're they're going to grow it just right. fine. That's exactly. They're, right. They don't That's have to exactly grow at right. exponential levels. They don't have to grow it at all. Yeah, they don't have it's to grow it at all because Google's going to use that data for all kinds of things that they're working on in their you know AI robotic shop, if you will. Exactly. And it's so it's just slam dunk. Make it happen. You predicted it years ago. It's finally going to happen. And if they don't do it, shame on them. So that's right. That's right. If if they don't do it, it's not my fault. It's not your. It's definitely not your fault. Nobody's going to blame Robert Rose for <laughs> that's this right. happening. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll cover one other uh, story idea here, um, and uh, and 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 then uh, and then get to our our lovely sponsor. But I wanted to cover this one because it's a it's a fun, interesting article here. Um, it's about, of course, it, you know, it's episode one hundred and fifty, and so if there's one story we can't miss, it's about Facebook, of course, because. Facebook, right? Um, and the story is why Facebook is public enemy number one. Um, this one, this story comes to us courtesy of theguardian.com. The story opens up by saying, Facebook has emerged as newspapers public enemy number one. Hardly a day passes in which there's no negative article about the social media website that is luring away our readers and advertisers. In the past couple of weeks, there's been something of an overload of criticism on a range of topics, everything from blocking the image of a girl fleeing a napalm attack and being Vietnam to generating outrage, among other things. Um, And this article goes on to then talk about why Facebook is really not a very nice thing for newspapers. Did you did you did you have a take on this? Oh geez, yeah. My take <laughs> we is go, on. Right? Well, multiple. we have to. It's First of all, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you picked the Facebook uh, yeah. because we almost have one a week, and it, it seems like this uh, right. is the show. Well, about just you know, bashing yeah, Facebook yeah, exactly. In, in one way, shape. You know, here's but here's where I'm not going to bash Facebook. I'm just I'm I'm tired. Look it. If you were a media company, and you are publishing like a Washington Post is publishing whatever the, a thousand articles directly on Facebook. That's right. You don't have to do that. You don't have to give in to Facebook and say, "Oh, okay, Facebook al- algorithm that that works this way." So, in order to get found and do this, we have to be on Facebook and do it. That no, you don't. You can make <laughs> right. the decision exactly. not to. And what this really reminds me of. So, I was uh, this week. I was at uh, Social Brand. 2016 conference good friend of ours nick westergaard put that on in iowa city is my first time in iowa city and i did a 
a panel with uh, our good friend Andy Crestadina, and yeah. we were talking about Google's changes. So I'm going to make this persp- this to Facebook, but he was talking specifically about Google. And you know, there's this whole thing on Google now where you can uh, use this thing called schema, and you could set up your uh, your content in a certain way so that Google can pull out snippets directly from your content so that if you type something into Google, there's no link. Like it actually will pull out the content onto Google itself. Right. They call that like, instead of being first on Facebook, you're actually zero, uh, which some people think is great. You want to do that. And some people don't. Well, Andy's perspective is no, it's not good because we need to get people to your site. Because if they right. just get it from you, what are you getting? A little branding, maybe? Probably nothing. They're just ripping off your content. You don't get any credit for that at all. And he used a really good example from Rotten Tomatoes. So he said, you know, before he goes to a movie, he wants to know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. So he would type into Google, you know, Rotten Tomatoes for Sully or whatever the movie would be. And and what it used to happen is you'd get the score right onto Google. You'd never have to type. Well, the folks at Rotten Tomatoes, they didn't. They didn't like that because they need people to actually go to the site to monetize exactly. that person. So what they did was they're going against the recommendation of Google and they pulled out that from schema and they or they're not doing that. And now they, you actually can't get the Rotten Tomato score anymore. So they changed that. And I thought about this example immediately, Robert, with the whole thing where we we've these whatever they want to call it, journalism media companies we've given in to all this and the new york times has done it the guardian's done it they've all done it to say oh this is how we must publish on facebook and now facebook is completely eating their lunch and i didn't think i don't think it has to be that way and i don't think brands have to publish on facebook that way i i think you can make your decision about how you're going to communicate if at all on those platforms that's my take. Right. There, well, there is. A, I think. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think there is probably a case. I mean, so this is a this is a great example of it depends on the business case, right? Yeah. Because for Rotten Tomatoes, they absolutely need to get people there because they sell advertising. That's the way they monetize their content. For someone else who's trying to just relay information, and and I think at some point Google's going to be because I've seen it before where there is some level of branding there. Where they pull in through the schema sort of idea that yep. you know there's the logo and that you know which con- where the content is actually coming from, um, where when they have that, and so if your business model is really to get your content to that zero position and relay the answer to a question, um, and then provide for some level of you know um, interest in sort of pursuing further, you know if you're a manufacturing company and you're answering questions, or if you're you know and you don't really basically the idea is get the content out there and have people know that it comes from you, then there's a value to that, right? And being part of Google's schema kind of thing makes sense. I think, interestingly, Google needs the bigger players to play along here it, because without it, it just it, the only use is, is, is in that and the quality of the content will matter terribly, right? If it starts to be that erroneous information starts getting displayed at that and the trust goes away, all of a sudden it's going to be people will start ignoring that and going, oh, that's the useless thing that they, that Google gives me. I'm going down into the search results and finding the real answer. Well, I mean, and so, well, yeah, so take that example and push that into Facebook. It's the same thing. For some, yeah, it's great for a lot of us to communicate through Facebook the way that we do, whatever we want to. Yeah. If whatever your goal is in using Facebook, and hopefully you have one because I just talked to some people that had no goal uh, in why they use Facebook <laughs> and we were trying to figure that out. But the, the end of this article goes on about, oh, well, we're trying to compete with Facebook for advertising and Facebook is killing us. Well, here, that's my other take on this is that there's no way now that you basically right, gave you them all that. the power. You lose that. You lose every time. You're not going <laughs> to be able to compete with Facebook right. on, on advertising. Google and Facebook, in my opinion, have won that battle. And if you are a media company like uh, what does this come from? The Guardian. Yeah. So I would get a new business model. 
or an additional one, or additional Certainly one, additional yeah, one. absolutely, yeah. because you're not gonna win that battle. The majority, <laughs> right? You know, what's funny is when you look at all the the research every year that comes out and says digital advertising is up X percent, and digital and social advertising is up X percent. Well, you don't realize that it's pretty much flatter down for everyone Everybody except else, Facebook right. and Google. Exactly. Right. It's That's like, right. let's get realistic. It's only helping two companies out there right now. And then now you're adding in Snapchat a little bit. But other than that, you, you're not seeing much. That's right. That's right. You have three boats that are rising the tide. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody else, else, like, else is me. Everybody else has a hole in their boat and is sinking. I would like some. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we have, I mean, this, I mean, for episode 150, it's it's wonderful. We have, a, you know, a sponsor that has been around for a while, but certainly, I believe, a new sponsor to the podcast. You know, we, it's, you it's, and I are trying to figure this out. I don't know. I, I have to look it up. All I know is that Ion Interactive has been a great supporter of Content Marketing Institute uh, since we've started. So uh, we're so happy that for our 150th episode, uh, this week's sponsor, our good friends at Ion Interactive. And they are offering a very interesting user experience, Robert, that uh, actually I think we all need to check out. And I was uh, playing around with it early this 6.30 this morning, kind of looking at it. Uh, it's called uh, 50 Ways to Engage Your Audience, an Interactive Lookbook. Step out the back, Jack. <laughs> new, new plan, Stan. So if you, want, coy, Roy. if you want a fun way to get 50 ideas for improving your content <laughs> engagement, then that's what this interactive lookbook is all about. Each capability is illustrated as an example of itself. You can have fun, get, get ideas, get results. Get the lookbook at cmi.media slash pnr150b. cmi.media slash pnr150b. And Robert, it's I, good 150, 150 episodes in. We're still making the URLs as obscure as possible. It's better. <laughs> It's better than it was. Yeah, I mean, we're, maybe there's another way that yeah. we can... It, 150B-49-64. Well, we because, <laughs> as you'll find out next episode, we'll, we'll actually have an A sponsor, which is why yeah. we had to... There's, I, I mean, know. I don't know. Whatever the case is. It's <laughs> This interactive ebook is uh, worth your time to flip through. Go ahead and get this uh, at uh, cmi.media slash pnr150b. And uh, enjoy yourself. But thanks to Ion Interactive for making our 150th episode so special. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they make it easy because that content is really good. It is good. Absolutely. The stuff they put out is just unbelievably good. And by the way, man, go through it. It had to take up some resources to put this sucker together. I mean, I'm like totally impressed that you can get a – if you don't want the interactive version, by the way, you can download the PDF. So go ahead and do that if you want to just do the regular old PDF experience you can have that too yeah absolutely all right ladies and gentlemen well it is time for 150 uh of our rants and rave section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like something came just so easy or makes us feel like we're banging our heads against the wall and it's a struggle to actually get out and uh so let's see i have this old marketing this week um and so i am going first here nice work so thank you very much (laughs) for i've got it down now it only took me 150 150 episodes but but um i've got it down now so I have a small rave um, and a bit of a rant. Uh, I don't know if it's a rant. It's my, as, as, as we discovered last week, it may be more commentary yeah. than anything else. But my rave is an interview um, in the, the, I don't know if it's current edition or basically just you know very recently done on CMO.com. It's a CMO with someone else who's uh, done a lot with uh, Content Marketing Institute as well as Content Marketing World, Linda Boff, um, who is now the CMO of uh, GE, now that uh, uh, Beth Comstock is uh, vice chair of the company. And so she in this interview it's just it's just, it, this is a this is a required reading if you're have if you have aspirations of being a CMO um or if you are a, in leadership in your market I just think it's the stuff that she covers here it's not a long interview it's not anything terribly extensive but what she's talking about is you know truly how she's trying to move a brand like General Electric, you know, a hundred and plus year old brand, and some of the things that she's doing to actually address that are just super interesting. Um, I just found this interview to be compelling and interesting, and 
just what she's talking about is on everybody's minds that I talk to from the lowest of practitioners in the business to the highest of leadership. And I just think it's really, really wonderful. There's one quote that I'll pull out here that she talks about. And she says, basically, look, you know, with a company like ours, which has, she's talking about the brand at this point, where she says, you know, a company like ours, which has got huge industrial roots, or whether you're selling a bottle of soda, the key to this whole thing is finding ways to bring a brand to life that is differentiated and reliable, entertaining, and at the same time, deeply interesting. And this is something that I've heard David Beebe from Marriott talk about. In other words, stop interrupting what people are interested in and become the thing that people are interested in, which I love that quote, and I use it all the time. And she says, we decided a long time ago that we were not going to chase cool because we already had it. And I I just think that's cool. I just think that's awesome, right? You know, and so um, just, you know, hats off. And that nice, nice, nice article. Go read it. Um, The second is... So I've had a few people email me and come up to me at conferences and, 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 and talk about um, this, the cost of content marketing. And recently, and this is why it's top of mind for me, uh, had somebody email me and, and, and was looking for a statistic uh, on content marketing and costing less. And this isn't, you know, this isn't certainly any kind of rant against the people asking the question because it comes up a lot. What it is 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 that it's it's the question itself about the idea of, of of content marketing costing less, and I see a lot of the the biggest mistake I see in one of the in building a business case for content marketing is quite frankly, they start with this stat and there's a few companies and I won't name them here but but yeah, well I'm not going to name them but so I'm not even going to be coy about it. Basically, there's a, there, there are some companies out there that continually provide this idea that content marketing is a cheaper way of doing business. It's a cheaper way of marketing. And that's not helpful. Because it's like, you know, well, Joe, you're an investor, right? And so, you know, if I say, hey, Berkshire Hathaway stock is whatever it is, 2,500 bucks a share. And, you know, Apple stock is, you know, 300 bucks a share. Which one's better? Yeah, I'd need and, more information. Of course, and or, and which one's providing a return? Well, it th- doesn't that's matter a, how. That's actually how much, really yeah. That's a great example too, because you know, the numbers itself don't are meaningless. Right, yeah. Apple's the cheaper stock; it shouldn't be better, right? It's like no, it's it's what is the return on the expense here? And the answer is is that quite frankly, content marketing when we do it, it may not be cheaper than advertising. This is something that you know we really need to think about. You know, when we start looking at numbers of the cost per lead or cost per acquisition or cost per customer, which are all numbers as a marketing practitioner that I, in my business, when I was running marketing for an organization, I knew those numbers by heart. My CPA, my CPC, my CPL, and all those things, and the ratios, and all, I mean, I had those numbers memorized, had to have those numbers memorized. And when I looked at content marketing, I didn't look at it as something to say, is it cheaper than advertising? I didn't look at any of those things, quite frankly, is, as they are cheaper. The question is, what do they return? Do they return a customer that buys more? Do they cost, provide a customer that is faster through the pipeline? Does it provide a customer that is, uh, you know, that, that is willing to share their story more often or that stays longer and churns out less? The, the answer is, what is the return and that ratio? That's the number we need to be looked at, not whether or not that it's cheaper to actually go you know, acquire a lead through a particular, uh, through a particular tactic or approach. And so let's stop asking that question. Let's stop offering up the idea that content marketing is cheaper because quite frankly, in most cases, it's not. It's actually more expensive than advertising. It's more expensive than PR. It's more expensive than direct sales. But the argument is that in many cases, and in the best cases, it actually produces a better, more engaged, more valuable customer over the long haul. So it provides a better return on your investment. That's the number I want to be concerned with. Anyway, that's the end. No, no, you're right. I mean, when somebody asked me that question, is it about expense and content marketing? I'm like, it could be less. It could be more. I right. don't know yet. Exactly. I don't know. Let's talk about why you should be doing this in the first place and figure out the what what the what is going to be and right. how much how many resources you need to put in. But yeah, if you're focusing on the argument of less expense, that's a tough place to go. 
Because at some point you're going to get well, locked. It's a, your yeah, baby's it's a, going right. to be in a it corner at some, zero point. At some point. Right, be... exactly. It goes to there. There is no good. There is no good destination there. If you're constantly focused on the discounting of how much it's going to cost you, then you're the only the only place you can ever get to is zero. And when you get to zero, you've stopped marketing. Yep. What's well, funny because on my uh, <laughs> commentary this week is very similar to yours, um, and I'm basing it off of uh, was it two recent events and i had a very similar question asked now my question was from i'll I'll actually state both questions but they're similar one marketer asked how do i get my manager to let the company get more involved in social media that was one and the second question (laughs) at a different location was how do i get executive approval for creating more content and so my answer, you could probably imagine give or take was something around this well i don't know if you should create more content or get more involved in social media. I don't know what the problem is you're trying to solve and whether creating content will do anything to solve that problem. And it's funny because, Robert, in both cases, as I was having this conversation, the marketers look stunned. They're like, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting in a, in a social media at a content marketing event, so they're probably expecting me to say something majestic that they can take <laughs> back to their management win, and win content and social approval. But, you know, no, I, I didn't do they that. Expecting, they were expecting you to say content marketing isn't a pond or find your ocean or whatever that. Thank you, by the way, to everybody out there who provided the wonderful motivational it, memes. Exact, that well, exactly. Well, think about it, right? So marketing's job is to create or maintain a behavior change that either creates exactly. more revenue opportunities or saves the company money. Like that's yes. the definition I use all the time now. You and I've talked about this plenty yep. on the show. Exactly. It's about yep. a behavior change, maintain or change that behavior, more revenue, save money. That's all we're doing. That's it, right? So yes. if you're a marketer and you aren't part of that, I'd be very worried. So when we talk about content marketing or social media, we first have to talk about why we are doing it. You know, what is the business reason that we are engaging in for this type of communication activity? So then if we do engage in said activity is the hypothesis that it will help generate more sales or help the company's bottom line. And and I'll I'll end with this. It's just, you know, sort of my you know, I'm not in you know, we are not in, but I'm not in specifically the content marketing business because I want people to create more content. Or do more content marketing. I'm in the content marketing business because there are a number of communication challenges out there where a content-first solution can help drive revenue or sales costs. You were just talking about this with your, you know, cost of, of content. You know, many marketers right. Right. aren't aware of that, so that's why we do what we we do, and that's the reason that that you and I do our thing in Content Marketing Institute uh, was created. So I, I would just leave it at this. You, you you don't ever want to go in trying to sell your manager manager or management on creating more content or actually doing social media. They don't care about that. That that's not their concern. Nobody gets up and says, "Hey, I want to. Oh, we need need to be. We need to be on social." I don't know if you do. Maybe you don't. That was funny because I'm at a social media conference. I'm saying I don't know if you should be on social media in that particular case. I need more information from that. Right, so I exactly. just think it's it's interesting. And of course, I throw out your your quote uh, all the time, and I'm going to butcher it. But you always say, you know, our job is not to create more content, but to create the minimum amount of content for the maximum amount of results. And I, I exactly. totally steal that line from yours all the time. <laughs> Uh, and I will continue, continue to do that. But that was my, you know, I guess it's a rant. But that's where I, I get that question all the time, Robert. And I, my head kind of goes down and I'm like, I don't know if you want to. Let's not start there. Let's start somewhere right. else. Let's have let's a different start, Well, that's exactly it. Let's start with what the goal is, yeah. right? Let's start with what we're trying to figure out and then work backwards to figure out how we're going to get exactly. there. Exactly. Very, very good. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's – I love that. I love that very much. Um, so, okay. Well, we have a wonderful example. This, is, this one is close to my heart. Um, as you know, I am a dog lover. I have three dogs in my family and, and – um, the, this old marketing example this week is a really wonderful one, um, but it's and it's also one very apropos of the uh, of the show number we're on um, that was an acquisition for a company. So, do you know? Have you ever used or seen Pet Finder? I've known um, a Pet Finder. I have no pets. So yeah. I don't have okay. a relationship with them, but I, I remember this happening. Yeah. So, yeah. So PetFinder, um, for those of you who don't know, and it's a wonderful website, was launched back 
Um, literally, it, it was one of the first websites um, that was on the web in 1996. I mean, it was, it's been around for, for that long. Um, and it was at one point owned by the Animal Planet, uh, a parent company, Discovery Communications, um, which is, wow, I, I, you know, because in, in a weird twist of fate, I worked in Washington, D.C. and was in the Internet business then. And, and I knew about PetFinder because of, you know, Discovery Communications was, is based out of that area. Um, and since the founding, they have aided. So basically, PetFinder, what it is, is you can look for pets that are looking for a forever home, right? Pet, pets that are in um, shelters and, and that sort of thing and, and are looking for their forever home. And, and since their founding, they've aided more than 22 million adoptions wow. of pets. It's just a, an amazing, wonderful thing um, if you're into that kind of thing. And what happened was is that they operated, and they're a for-profit company. They're not a nonprofit. They're a for-profit. They sell advertising, and they've monetized it by creating a subscription base through other kinds of content that they have on the site, which is you know what it's like to adopt a pet, and you know and what you know what you need to know, and how it works, and all that kind of stuff. So lots of great information on PetFinder.com, in addition to having sort of the search tools that you can actually go find a pet. And so in 2013, it was actually acquired by Nestle Purina, very quietly, by the way. This isn't something that made huge news. Um, I, actually, I actually had to go find it out um, and, and found the, when, it was, when the actual deal was undisclosed amount you near know, the acquisition. And it's been very quietly owned for the last three-plus years by Nestle Purina. Um, the Ad Age article that we'll link to that actually did announce the the uh, acquisition in 2013 um, talks about this whole thing where the quote um, for from Purina basically said, this is an interesting acquisition for us because it shows above and beyond providing products that experiences and utility are important um, for our customers. Um, and that was the brand manager for Purina. As he said, that's something that we want to start with this acquisition. It's an interesting place, these customer experiences that we want to create for Nestle to explore. And it aligns with their values. It demonstrates their values. And it's just a, a wonderful example of the acquisition of a for-profit company that is now a division of Nestle Purina that, by the way, still sells advertising, still monetizes their audience, and provides, just as we've talked about on this show, Johnson & Johnson's BabyCenter.com, an unbranded sort of platform for Nestle to operate. And they do brand it, by the way, so you, you get to win this one, Joe. They do actually brand it on the site. You can actually find it pretty easily. They actually do in-house ads for Purina stuff on the, on the actual uh, platform itself. And they actually operated as a as a as a money making with in house ads for Purina stuff as well, um, and uh, just a wonderful example of this old marketing. Yeah, Robert, it's called transparency. Yeah, and it's a really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Touche. Uh, Touche. Uh, mic drop. Touche. Mic drop on Touche. that one. Yeah. All Touche. right, uh, my friend. That was I love that. By the way, I, yeah. any of the M and A stuff, you know that uh, that's my yeah, my course. favorite uh, ball of wax there. Uh, yeah. So you and I are traveling. We are indeed. We are indeed. We, it, but funny enough, and I think we have to do the selfie at some point. We're going to be in London. Like your last day in London is my first day in London. Yep. So we're going to have to find time to actually meet that, up. Well, that rarely get a happens. Selfie together. You and I know. I, it's right. It's in, never happened. In the fall, and it seems to be in the fall more than the spring for whatever reason, but in the fall, you and I do a lot of international travel. And we're That's always right. in different – we're usually in Europe – or we're always in different locations, and we actually will have a six-hour period or something where we will we'll be in the same place. So we're going to to try to make that selfie happen. So that's that right. That's exactly right. Tremendous, that's and a good way right. to celebrate the 150th episode in the yes. books. Yeah, <laughs> done. Exactly. We did it. Done. We did it done. at seven o'clock in the morning. We made it happen. Yes. Well, here's to 150 more. Oh, my that's and it's been a, it's been a joy. It's been it so has truly uh, been a joy. So much fun, and you. Yeah. I mean, you and I. We. we th this is not a job. Like this we is not just work. we just yeah. love doing this stuff and and being able to. And again, go back to the way it first started. I remember I was in a rental car, and you and I are just like riffing for an hour, just talking about stuff. And we said, yeah. you know, we should just record this at some point, And boom. 
That was it. it this old marketing was, was born. That was it. We took out all the snarky gossip and <laughs> Yeah, we said, Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, we oh, we can't, can't talk that. about that person <laughs> just like that. Okay, yeah. that sponsor gives us a lot of money. Let's just tone it down Let's a little just, yeah, bit here. Just turn that back a little bit and, yeah. and the rest of it should figure itself out. All right. Well safe <laughs> safe travels, my <laughs> friend, and I'll see you next thank week. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That is it, folks. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose. We are signing off from episode 150, and yes, here's to 150 more. And if you like this episode and the 149 that preceded it, do consider leaving us a review on iTunes or the Stitcher or subscribing. When you subscribe, when you leave us a review, let us know. Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing on the Twitter. And uh, the Google's Twitter, by the way, that'll be at that point. We'd love to thank you personally for that. Um, That's how much we appreciate you as a subscriber and a reviewer to this little podcast for 150 episodes. And, of course, story ideas, story ideas, this old marketing examples at hashtag this old marketing. You can also send us email, of course, at this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. All the links that we talked about today will be available in the show notes, which are available on Monday night as we go to publish. And, of course, on the show post at this old marketing. Marketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, everybody, with 151, it's your story to tell. You tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.